Michelle Bella-Jones is a writer and translator. Her fiction, poetry, translations, and criticism have appeared in a number of journals, including the Kenyan Review and the Atticus Review. She was born in Japan, raised in the U.S. Pacific Northwest, and now lives in Switzerland. Her debut novel, Fog Island Mountains, is a haunting and beautiful reinterpretation of the Japanese kitsune folktale tradition. It is the winner of the Christopher DeHaney Award from the Center for Fiction in New York City and has just been published in trade paperback, ebook, and audiobook by Tantor Media. Publishers Weekly said that Fog Island Mountains is a lovely look at the strength and grace that can be found in the face of death and the sorrow of the knowledge of passing beauty. Welcome, Michelle Bella-Jones. Thank you. Now, before we really uh, get further into the book, I'm wondering if you could just tell us what was the inspiration and perhaps give us a little bit of a, a plot summary as well. Sure. Uh, Fog Island Mountains is a, it's a story of, of a couple. They're a bicultural couple named Alec and Kanai. Alec is from South Africa. Kanai is from Japan. The book is set in uh, southern Japan. And essentially, the book deals with a difficult moment in their life. Alec has uh, just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And at the moment of his diagnosis, uh, his wife, Kanai, uh, she has a hard time with this, and she actually just runs away. Uh, she runs away at kind of a bad time because the island is about to be hit with a very big typhoon. Now, the book doesn't actually deal with Alec's death, but with the moment that the family and the town learn that he has the terminal diagnosis, why did you choose this moment to explore and not the potentially more powerful situation of his family preparing for his death? This, this is kind of a difficult question for me, only in the sense that it seemed very natural for, to deal specifically with that moment of shock. I think that, especially in a long-term illness situation, very often that the first time that you essentially get news of your own timeline it's something that we're not really built or programmed to deal with. And so I would, I'm curious about that moment and how it, how it can be experienced. And I think Fog Island Mountains came out of that. I, was, I have actually dealt with a, a personal situation of long-term illness. And because of that, and this is a situation with my in-laws family, I, I think that I had a lot of questions about how we handle grief and how we handle um, the loss of someone. I think everyone has those questions when faced with a similar situation. What I ended up doing with Fog Island Mountains, um, which I think was just a way for me to deal with it a little bit easier, was I set that story of um, a couple facing a terminal illness, I set it in sort of parallel to the Japanese kitsune folk tradition. Um, and that it was an easier way for me to talk about that particular story. Sure. Now, the kitsune, that's uh, the fox character. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, the fox tradition in Japanese folklore is it's very prevalent. I mean, there's a lot of um, mythology around animals. But the fox, the kitsune, is a bit of a, of a half-spirit. And the fox is a trickster. So all the stories that deal with foxes, it's t it tends to be about a fox character tricking a human. And one of the biggest stories is about, um, it's 
there's several of different variations of this, but the most common one is that on a, on a dark road uh, in the evening, a young man meets a beautiful young woman and falls in love with her and marries her. And at some point in their marriage, which is a happy marriage, uh, he realizes that she's not actually human, that she's a fox and she's tricked him. So there's this moment of frustration or sorrow or in some stories it's even an actual grief because they can they can no longer be together and this is I thought would make an interesting parallel with our more human situations of actual grief. Right. Now can you talk a bit about the physical geography of the novel? Where is it set? Is this a real place and how does it influence the story? The the book is set in a it is set in a real place. In southern Japan there is a, a national park and it's a series of volcanic mountains called Kirishima, and Kirishima literally means fog island. It is a beautiful part of Japan. It is dense forests topped with sort of a moonscape-like volcanoes. And the the book is set in a in a fictional village called Komachi, right in the middle of this area. I chose this particular place for two reasons. One, it's a place that's very dear to me, and it's a place I wanted to write about. On the second hand, um, on the other hand, it is also an important place for J- Japanese mythology. It's a place where the original emperor of Japan is meant to have descended from the heavens and he touched down in this particular location. So there's a lot of stories uh, and a lot of mythological figures that take pla- that, that live in this area. Now, why did you choose to have a narrator who essentially tells someone else's story, uh, even several other people's stories in the book? Azami is a local f- storyteller. She's the granddaughter of a famous storyteller, and she still lives in the in the, in the town of Komachi. And she kind of she's she's a special character in the sense she knows absolutely everything that is going on uh, in, with everyone in in the village. So she has access to all these different stories. And I think one of the things that happens in a in a small town anywhere in the world, not just in Japan. Uh, is that there's a lot of myth-making about families and people. And in this situation, we're dealing with a foreigner who's lived in this town for a really long time and his wife. And they are, they're a couple that people talk about, that people look at, uh, wonder how their life is. It's, they're kind of unusual in this small place. And so when they have this experience of Alec being very sick and Kanai running away, there is necessarily a lot of rumor-making that starts to happen. So Azami works as a mediator for that. She's sort of collecting the rumors, and um, she's writing and rewriting their story. We sometimes don't know if she's telling us the truth uh, and what's actually going on. And there's a specific reason for that. She has her own story that she would like to tell, and she can only tell it by sort of getting through Alec and Kanai's story. Now, the uh, lovely Publishers Weekly Review called this book a poem in disguise. Um, what do you think they meant about that? And can you tell us a bit about the book's uh, structure and style? I, yes, that was a, a wonderful thing to see in the review. Um, I'm, I hope that they're referring to to some of the way that the language works and also the narrator refers to her story as a poem sometimes. Well, one of the things that I did with this book, and it's kind of a secret part of the book because I, I tried not to make it too overt, but in Japanese uh, literature there is a, an ancient, you know, it's one of the, most, the more traditional poetry forms. It's called a choka, 
And most people know of a haiku, which is the 57575. Um, but a choka is, was basically used to write epic poetry. So the smallest um, length that it could be was 57577577. And when you look at Fog Island Mountains, it is broken into seven different sections. Um, those sections actually follow the, the, the stages of a typhoon. So we begin with disturbed weather and we go to tropical depression, upwelling feeder bands. Um, these are all what happens in a typhoon. But within each of those sections, we actually have five, seven, five, seven, five, seven, seven voices. So while Azami is our storyteller, she takes on the voice of different people as we move through the novel. Interesting. And um, talking about uh, voices and storytelling, the audiobook of Fog Island Mountains is narrated by Jennifer Akita. Have you heard any of it, and what do you think? I have heard parts of it. I've heard the beginning and a little bit um, from just after that. It was really wonderful to hear it, um, especially since this is a novel that's meant to be told in the voice of an oral storyteller. It was really exciting to hear it performed. And um, you say she did all the different voices. Is that right? Yeah, she did. So that was great. Alec is South African, so of course he doesn't have an American accent. And she was able to do all the pronunciation for the Japanese words. So that was really special. Terrific. Is there anything you'd like to add? I just wonder, you've been uh, uh, interviewed now for uh, <laughs> almost a week uh, solid. Has, uh, is there a question that hasn't been asked that you'd like to address? You, there is one question that hasn't come up, um, and it, it's it's just about the the the. Um, there's a, a smaller story running through the book about what it's like to be a foreigner um, or an expat living in Japan, and uh, that was something fun for me to work with since I am a, an expat. I'm an American living in Switzerland, so I think that there was a part of the book that. I, no matter what, I couldn't help dealing with that bicultural nature of, of Alec and Kanai's relationship and of their children growing up in Japan but with a South African father. So I hope that's something that people will find interesting as well. Thank you so much, Michelle Bella-Jones, author of Fog Island Mountains, available in trade paperback, ebook, and audiobook from Tantor Media. Thank you so much. Thank you.